In today's show, we're looking at the fantasy basketball waiver wire. Players to add, players to drop, players to watch. Michael Bolton's to Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore beeble on TikTok at redrock underscore beeble on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball and Substack joshlloyd48.substack.com. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. It's a waiver wire. We look at the waiver wire. We look at players to add. We look at players to drop. We look at transaction trends and all that sort of stuff. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> all right. We talked about this a lot in the preseason. We talked about it a lot in the early season. We talked about backup centers and guys waiting for opportunities. And there were lots of them. Lots of guys that we could take just in case. Isaiah Jackson, Yeka Okongwu. Jalen Duran, Mark Williams, Nick Richards popped onto the uh, onto the scene, Walker Kessler. And we just had to wait and try and work out where that opportunity would come from. And it's often you, you look at rotations and you try and figure out you know, where's that chance going to happen. You know, Indiana, we thought Miles Turner would be traded and Isaiah Jackson would step in. Well, he's not. Doesn't look like he will be. And Isaiah Jackson's not even next in line. So that one's a done. Right, the Okongwu one never made sense to me because Capella wasn't going to be traded, and you were just hoping, and he wasn't going to get benched. Right, that that one didn't make a ton of sense to me, hoping for that breakout. The Mark Williams one was never going to happen, but then we saw a little bit of Nick Richards, and we thought, ah, oh, maybe. The two interesting ones were in Utah, which we'll talk about soon, but in Detroit also because the guys in front there are bad. Well, at least one of them is Marvin Bagley. The other one's Isaiah Stewart, who they're trying to transition to a power forward. So Jalen Duran made sense to sort of pay attention to. Then we saw opening night with Bagley out. Yeah, big games from Duran. Went, ah, here we go. It's really good stuff. And then he sort of faded off and we're getting limited minutes and the production wasn't there. And they were, for some reason, investing time and development resources into Marvin Bagley. But we've switched. Duran is starting. Common sense has prevailed. If you want to build a future, build a future with the guy who can be your future. Now, I don't trust Dwayne Casey for a single second with common sense rotation decisions. I don't. Why should I? Where's the track record in doing that? I also don't believe, though, that he will start Duran for one game and then reverse course and play Bagley either more minutes off the bench every night or restart Marvin Bagley. I think we'll get at least a section of time here where Duran's the starter. Now, Duran, his block rate's not quite where it was in college. And that happens to a lot of big men. Nearly actually every big man. Their block numbers drop. How much they drop is important. But I don't think there is any justification to me that you can leave Jalen Duran on the waiver wire. He is the most added player here for a reason. It might not work out, but that's not the point of this. We're not clairvoyance. We don't know the future. I don't know it. You don't know it. Nobody knows it, right? We don't, but we try to look at probabilities. We try to look at you know, the, the value of missing this guy. Because if it doesn't hit, oh, well. If he goes back to the bench and Bagley starts again, oh, well. We go and grab someone different because something else will pop up in a week's time. But the... Opportunity cost of missing on Duran is huge because if he sits and plays 28 minutes a night, 
and goes 13 and 12 and averages two blocks on 65% shooting, well, that's a top 100 player really easily. And they don't just pop up in week nine on the waiver wire. So you got to get him. You have to go grab Jalen Duran, and we'll figure it out later. And if Dwayne Casey changes his mind, oh, well, we move on from it. And you can apply every, literally everything I just said to the big fella in Utah as well, Walker Kessler. We'll, put, we'll talk about him a bit later on. Jose Alvarado, one of the most added players as well. Now, this one to me, look, he's been really good. He's been an unbelievable surprise, the Georgia Tech legend. The minutes are way up. I don't see how that's going to continue when we get 65 minutes of action from Herb Jones and Brandon Ingram returning. Alvarado's filling a huge role, some of it which is filled by Jones. I guess you could make an argument that Alvarado might be as valuable as Jones. Maybe he's not quite as big. For now, Jose is playing really well. I don't really see that maintaining rest of season, but for the short term, go ahead. His teammate, Larry Nance. Close games, big minutes for Nance, good production. It's a simple recipe. The problem is, is that we've had so few close games for the Pelicans. We haven't really seen that from Nance. Add him. Be prepared to drop at any point, but add him. Quentin Grimes, one of the most added players. Some of that is schedule-based. I'm not fully there on Grimes as a 12-team league guy. I think he's a solid 14-team league guy. I've been talking about him as a 14-team league guy for a few weeks now. I'm not quite there with him as a as a must-roster 12-team league player. I've got him like projected. Oh, no, I do actually, you know what? In saying that, I've got him, I do have him projected a little bit better than I thought. I've got him projected around 120, which is in the 12-team zone. But it's around the same mark of like a Larry Nance, uh, Royce O'Neal, Bones Highland. It's giving a little bit of upside there to Grimes. But why? Well, I'm trying to see what pushes him to that level. Oh, it's really steals. Steals is what's inflating Grimes' value. Um, he's fine. In a f- absolutely guaranteed 14-team league guy. He's available still in a lot of spots. I don't hate it. I'm just not sure there's much upside in Quentin Grubbs. I don't think there's a, wow, we're gonna, he's going to blow up and become this top 70 player, top 90 player. I don't see how that upside occurs. I can see downside, but I can't see huge upside. Najee Marshall's one of the most added players, another Pelican. This is yeah, Sunday-based. It's Ingram and Jones injury-based. Marshall's been crushing it. He's playing really well. There is no way I don't see how this continues. Absolutely no chance at all. So streaming for Sunday, and that's it. I think Grayson Allen is probably getting a little bit underrated, even by myself. He is, what, the 120th ranked player this season. He's providing unbelievable shooting numbers. He's hitting threes. His minutes, I thought there'd be a risk that him and Carter would split minutes, and it hasn't been the case. Carter's just gone back to a small role, and Allen's sticking. I think he probably is a 12-team league guy. Bogdan Bogdanovich, one of the highest, highest added players. Well, we thought he'd have a minutes limit for weeks, and then like two games in, they lied to us again. All right, 23 minutes, and then he plays 33. All right, you can't do much when people lie with information like that. Like you, If you go through and distrust every bit of information you're given, you're going to be wrong. If you go through and believe every part of information you're given, you're going to be wrong. And how do you find which ones are right and which ones are wrong? It's literally impossible. So you just got to cop them on the chin when you hear these things like he played 23 minutes and he'll be restricted for that for three or four games and he'll go to 26 minutes and then literally the next game he plays 33. Like, what can you do? Right? If you go out and say, no, they're lying, he'll play 35 straight away and then he doesn't, then you look like a fool for literally believing something you were told. And that's part of the problem here with Bogdanovich. It is going to be impacted when Collins and Hunter and Murray return. He won't have as free reign to take as many shots. He's a really good player, but it's just not how offensive hierarchies work. But he should be on a roster. And I cannot believe that one of the most added players is De'Anthony Melton. How he was available 
in that many leagues to become most added is staggering. It's staggering. He shouldn't be available anywhere. So I don't know how he was available to be one of the most added players over the last 48 hours. It's pretty straightforward. Anthony Melton is a must-roster player. Today's episode is brought to you by the blokes at Rocket Money. Rocket Money, you might have heard of it. It used to be called Truebill. And sometimes we know how hard it can be to keep track of our finances and our spending, especially subscriptions and canceling them or forgetting to cancel them. It can be a real pain and it can be very, very costly. You go to cancel something, you go in, go cancel subscription. Where's the button? Bloody, you can't find it. Then you go and click it and it goes, are you sure you want to cancel? Yes, I didn't misclick it. Are you really, really sure? Yes, I am really, really sure. And then you go, ah, give up. Right? Rocket Money goes in there and does all that stuff for you, all that hassle. And find subscriptions you didn't even know that you had and cancels them for you as well. That's going to save you hundreds of dollars a year. So cancel unnecessary subscriptions with Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, today. Go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on. Let's go to the most dropped players in fantasy. Majority of these I agree with. We saw, this is a perfect, perfect example of we talked about with Jalen Duran. You see something happening and you get on it. We saw Daniel Gafford play 22 minutes a night, 21 minutes a night, play alongside Chris Aspoorzingas. We go, all right, here we go. Right, all he needs is 21 minutes. Get a four, five minute crossover with the Porzingis, and that's a 12 team league guy. And have him for like three games straight. Bang, let's go. We're on. Because he'd been playing six minutes a night, and they'd been playing small with Kuzma at center. We got bang, all right, it's on, it's happening. Let's grab it and see what happens. And now it's stopped. All right, it's stopped. The crossover isn't happening anymore. The they are going to get Rui Hachimura back at some point, which might impact him. And we took the chance. We tried to get some value out of it. It might you might have got one or two games out of it. The value's gone. See you later. Simple. That's how fantasy works. AJ Griffin. I don't think I would have been quite that quick to drop Griffin with Murray, Hunter, Collins still out. Now, the last game was really bad for him. He shot poorly in three straight games as well, and his minutes were well down. Just the fact that I think he's going to continue to start for another week, and I don't think he'll be a 23% shooter in that week, it does give me pause in dropping him. I probably would be more inclined to hold him, especially over a lot of the names on this list. Although there are some here that I don't think I'd drop. Jalen Noel, I think, is a pretty clear drop. We saw him in that first game step up, but that was a game that um, Jordan McLaughlin didn't even play. And now we are really seeing the replacement for Kyle Anthony Towns be Kyle Anderson with like 38 minutes. So Noel is struggling. He will have hot and cold streaks. There's no reason for him to clog up a 12-team roster spot. Cameron Payne, Chris Paul's back. See you later, campaign. Easy. People dropped Ellis Crusoe. He got hurt yesterday. Uh, he had a back contusion. It's not considered to be serious, I don't think. Yes, the great value of Crusoe was the Saturday-Sunday back-to-back here, but as a starting point guard, he might get you a, yeah, five assists, 1.8 steals. He might only get eight points, but there's enough for him to be a long-term guy. I probably would have held it out one day as the Bulls' starting point guard just to see if he's back for the next game and have value there. I don't think the only reason he should have been added was this back-to-back. I would not have dropped Andrew Nembhard. He's still starting and playing 31 minutes. Yes, the numbers are well down with Halliburton back. That's to be expected. But he can still provide assists and some steals with solid percentages and hit some threes. I wouldn't have been that quick to drop him. Tim Hardaway, was he stunk. He was so bad the last two games. And we know that this is going to happen. I don't have that much of a problem with dropping Hardaway. We know who Tim Hardaway is. He gets hot, you add him. He gets cold, you drop him. But as long as he's starting and playing 30 minutes, which he didn't last game, 
20 minutes, 28 minutes a night, probably not enough for Tim. If he's getting 30, 31, it probably is. Um, I don't mind dropping him. This one, the last one on this list, Denny Avdia. Why are people dropping Denny Avdia? This makes no sense at all. We have seen time and time again, when Beal is out, Avdia puts up good numbers. And unless I'm missing something, Bradley Beal is still out. Now, Bradley Beal might come back during the week, but you know who's not back? Bradley Beal. Monte Morris, Monte Morris is also still out. And Rui Hachimura is still out. And Dylan Wright is still out. And Abdi is playing 35 minutes. I, what are we doing? This one makes zero sense to me. Abdi has been great. He will continue to be pretty good. And then when Beal comes back, then jettison him. No problem. I don't know why he would have been one of the most... Okay, some people might have dropped him. One of the most dropped players? That doesn't really add up to me. Unless there's something I'm just completely overlooking here. I don't get it. These are guys who are rostered in lots of leagues, over 50%, and I don't think they need to be. Droppable players. Brandon Clark. He's a backup center behind Steven Adams. Adams did hurt his ankle last game, so I get that there might be some increased value here for Clark, but as a long-term prospect, no, I don't see it. I think we've got to do it with sticks. Nah, no, nah, I'm not going to stand by him anymore. It's just too much inconsistency. It was always so weird. When at Summer League, they came out and said, yeah, Jalen Smith, they're starting power forward. And I go, have you, have you guys seen him play? Like, he's not that good. Why are you anointing him the starting power forward now? Was this part of the deal, much like JaVale McGee is the starting center for the Mavericks? Oh, Jalen, we really need you to come back and we promise you you'd be the starter. And, and I guess he didn't get it in writing that starter means playing over 20 minutes a night. In theory, he's got a good fantasy game. Points and threes and blocks and boards and good percentages. The problem is, in reality, he's a terrible player. Um, yeah, drop him. John Wall. Saw him start last game. A lot of people love John Wall. I get it. Name value is great. Do you think John Wall will be a starter you know, later in the season? These are questions I get. And I don't know. I don't expect it. But even if he does, I'm not sure I care. I'm not sure it actually changes that much. His percentages are bad. He gets some assists. He's low volume threes. His rebounds are nothing. He's really just an assist streamer. And I don't think that playing next to Kawhi and Paul George, by the way, Kawhi landed top 50 over the last week. I don't think that playing next to those guys, he's got an opportunity to do what he needs to do to uh, overcome the bad percentages. I don't think he's a must-hold guy. Same with Mo Bamba. Like this guy a little bit, should literally be out of the rotation when Carter's back. No need to hold him. The last four are points league guys. You've got Clark there and Smith there as well. Who you know, Clark, very easily a points league drop. Derek White. Um, we're seeing at the moment, even with Horford out, he's struggling a little bit. I think Derek White's going to become a category league drop as well. But in points leagues, he's, what, 130th so far this season? And it's going to get worse when Rob Williams returns. How, Josh? One's a point guard, one's a center. Really easily, um, gentleman or gentlewoman. Gentlewoman? That sounds so stupid. Gentleman or lady who asked me that question about why Rob Williams will impact Derek White. Because Derek White had been starting. And I tell you who's going to start when he comes back, eventually, or at some point, almost straight away, Rob Williams. And the guy who's going to move to the bench will not be Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart or Jason Tatum or Al Horford. It'll be the fifth starter, who is Derek White. And then when Derek White goes to the bench, it's him and Malcolm Brogdon coming off the bench, and he might not play 20 minutes a night. There'll be some nights when someone's hurt, when he steps up, but as a regular, ongoing, every-night contributor, the return of Rob Williams, and it's already happening now for Derek, but the return of Rob Williams sounds the end of his 12-team value, in my opinion. I think Colin Sexton's also a drop out with a, with a hammy. I, I would drop him in category leagues as well, Sexo. Out with a hammy. Conley's back. 
I don't see the point of holding. Injured reserve, put him there. Who cares? That's great. Awesome. Love it. Fantastic. But other than that, no. I don't have Jaden Ivey or Benedict Mather on this list as rookies who are droppable players, especially for category leagues. But I think they are. Now, that I didn't put them here because there is very easy arguments to make that we could hit March or February, and both of those guys are rolling at a top 80 rate. They've figured out the percentages. They're contributing in other areas. That's possible. But for some people, they're a drop because you can't afford to wait December, January, February for them to start rolling after the All-Star break. You can't wait that long. And their statistical profile coming out of college wasn't the most exciting anyway. So that's going to be an individual decision, but I wouldn't look at Matherin and Ivy as absolute guaranteed must-roster players. I don't think that yeah, for a team that's sitting seventh and six teams make the playoffs, that you can deal with someone just destroying you on percentages and you know, having low-volume counting stats on a night-to-night basis. I don't think. Anyway, today's episode is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You go create that job on LinkedIn Jobs. It's really simple to do. Put all everything you need in there. And then on your LinkedIn profile, you add the purple hashtag hiring frame. And that lets people know that you are, in fact, hiring. Wow, what a coincidence that is. Simple tools like the screening questions help you find the people that you want with just the right skills and experience, you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and then eventually hire. Really straightforward stuff. It's why small businesses rank or rank or rate. They've got rate in this. Either one. They rate LinkedIn jobs, number one, in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's go through the must roster list. I know you're not going to be disappointed to know that Kelly Linick is on this list. He's still available in over 20% of leagues, and that's the cutoff I use here. Um, these names are all the same. I'll keep putting them here till they hit 80. I don't know what people, unless this tells me that 23% of leagues are inactive. It must. All right. Kelly Linick must roster. Josh Hart must roster. Mitch Robinson must roster. Killian Hayes must roster. These guys are all projected by me, and my projections could be wrong, but by me. I, if I looked at a wave war and saw those guys there, I'd go, what are we doing? Please figure it out, Adam. Alinek, Hart, Mitch Robinson, Killian Hayes. Category League must rosters. Points Leagues, Jaden Ivey. Different to Category Leagues, Points League must roster. Mitchell Robinson, Killian Hayes, and Josh Hart. Same names again. And I would put Alinek in there, but I'd prioritize these other guys in Points Leagues ahead of Cali. Let's look at some hot players. These guys are all top 100 guys. In fact, they're all top 80 players over the last week. So what do we do with them? Flaming Mo Wagner. Yeah, he's a roster rule player. At least until Wendell Carter comes back, have him on 12-team leagues. Tari, regular season. He's a top 100 player. I think he's a top 60 player over the last week. It's only low minutes, but we're in that situation where we're waiting for something to clear up through an Eric Gordon trade, which should have happened four years ago. We're waiting for something to clear up. But even while we're waiting, he is still providing value. Now it's going to be up and down. You've got to be in a relatively strong standings position to deal with someone like Tari Eason because there are going to be nights where he has six and three and you go, what's the point of this? 
Then they're going to be nice to Rio's 15 and 7 with three steals and a block on 60% shooting. You go, ah, here we go. But we need that minute's upside to come. The, the good thing is he's giving us this value and it's worth holding. Walker Kessler. Yeah, he's a top 100 player. He started two games off the bench and the others. He's a must-roster player. I don't think that Jared Vanderbilt is... Well, we know that he doesn't have a strong hold on the starting center spot because he got benched this week. And good players, key players, foundational players don't get benched for team balance. They just don't. They're not going to sit Larry Markin on the bench and go, actually, Larry, we prefer to have Beasley in there because we just want to be a little bit smaller. Like, they wouldn't do that. But they would for Vanderbilt. Meaning that means that, you know, meaning that means good English. But that means that someone like Kessler's got the ability to play 20 a night. And this guy's block rate, it's not as big as it was in college, but it's still gigantic. It's one of the best in the NBA. He, he is a guy to, much like Jalen Duran, you got to grab him and we'll figure it out later. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a top 100 player. That one I'm not that interested in, but he did pay, he did really blow up last game with Sexton, Conley, and Clarkson all out. Don't read into it too much. Jordan Goodwin. Hmm. I like his value. It was really helped last game that Monte Morris was out. But even with Beal out and Morris back, Goodwin's at least a steel streamer. Not a hated ad. Kyle Anderson, absolutely. What are we doing? Why is he available? Anyway, he's got to be rostered everywhere. Santiago Dharma, top 100. I don't buy that. He's a great stream when Jaron sits, but that's it. Although he is playing good basketball off the bench. And the other guy who's top 100 is his goldfinger, Charlie Bassey. Now, with Pirtle out, I still prefer Zach Collins over Bassey because we saw the minutes. 30 to Collins last game, 28 the game before that. But Bassey gets 18, 20 minutes. Now, Chuck can be pretty good. But I don't think that he is an absolute priority 12-team ad. There are plenty of other guys I would have over him, despite me liking him as a player. These guys are all available in over 90% of leagues for deep leagues, and I think they're worth looking at. Javante Green and Jeremy Sohan, I think, are 14-team league guys. Yes, Sohan's out. But if you're in a 14-team league, I'd be looking to add these players. And these other bunch of guys in 16-teamers, I think, are useful enough. Joshie Richardson, TJ McConnell, the artist formerly known as Torian Prince, who's injured, but I think he's going to have a pretty sizable role when he comes back. Nazareth Reed, 12, 13 minutes for him, 14 minutes for him behind Gobert. He can put up numbers. And in Portland, Drew Eubanks, who's blocking a ton of shots. And that's really useful as the backup center. He's getting those minutes and Justice Winslow is not anymore. Some other names that are worth talking about. Ayo Desumu, as long as Caruso's out, Desumu's value rises again. He gets 30 minutes as a starting point guard and he's worth at least a stream there. Got to talk about Poku. And what I'm going to say is I have no idea. Is there a pattern to his minutes? No. Is there a pattern to his production? No. Is he a great player? No. Is he a bad player? Also no. Is there anything that's a yes with this guy? Well, the only thing is, should I take a chance on Poku? Like soft yes. But we are 30% of the way into the season and we see Poku do this for three games and then play 19 minutes for three games and then start and then don't start the second half. And I don't really see that changing. That's the consistency. The consistency in Pokashevsky is it's going to be inconsistent. So add him, sure. But don't be surprised to drop him in two days' time. But the upside is enough to grab. Pat Williams, yeah, maybe. Like For blocks as a forward-eligible player, yeah, there's some value in him. But I think he's going to go back to the bench when Green is back. Um, Juice McBride, that's a really, really interesting deeper league player. I am going to drop a deuce on everybody. Backup point guard, played 20 minutes the last game. Good steals guy, solid assist guy. That's a you know, 16 to 20 team league guy. And then the other one in those 20 team leagues is Bryce McGowan, especially while Lamelo is out. 
McGowan's is getting 29. And it helps that Dennis Smith is out too, but there's some interesting names. You want to stash someone in like a 14-teamer, Delon Wright? I don't think that he's going to immediately take over Monty Morris, and he might not at all. But there's some stash value there. I wanted to talk about Kemba Walker, who played his first game for the Mavericks yesterday. You don't need to hold him in 12-team leagues. I think that's pretty clear. And I think we're also at that spot with Max Struess. Although, again, the Heat have a favorable schedule coming up, so you can hold him through a favorable schedule. But we are seeing the priority go to Martin, go to Hero, even a little bit going to Oladipo now. And that's the worry we always had with Struess when he was rolling early season. There's just all these guys out. And when they came back, it was going to be really hard to maintain that. And we're seeing that now. So I don't think he's going to maintain 12-team value, but he remains a good stream option. Guys, that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave those comments. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.